We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,347 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Melissa, how are you? I'm well, Johnny. Thank you. Good it to is be good back. To, it is great to have you back. It's always a pleasure. So I I thought that, you know, you usually you and I have these um, these great conversations that just kind of are organic. And so um, I thought that we could just go with it and see what we can come up with. But I tell you what, let's start with, uh, let's start with what you brought up uh, before we started, let's start with internet censorship. And you said that you've been watching a lot of things surrounding internet censorship. Bruce and I talked about it a little bit last week, and we played some clips. Uh, and I've got some of that audio I can pull if you want me to uh, play it for reference uh, of sure. Nikki Haley. But um, why don't you start with uh, with what jumped out to you, and we'll go from there. Well, I receive a the newsletter that comes in to my inbox every day from Joseph Mercola, Dr. Joseph Mercola. And he branches out from health and wellness type stuff. And when he does, that's usually when it catches my attention. So I looked at something that he put out today called Media Ruled by Robust PSYOP Alliance. And I mentioned to you that it was some of the usual players who were weighing in on a woman named Renee DeResta. And you may or may not have heard of her, but I'll just give you Mercola's story at a glance. He said, investigative journalist Michael Schellenberger has exposed Renee DeResta, research director for the Stanford Internet Observatory, the SIO, SIO, as one of the okay, key, right. yeah, <laughs> one of the key architects behind the censorship industrial complex. DeResta is connected to the CIA and a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, which seeks to implement a one world government. Before DeResta became research director for the SIO, she was the research director for a small Democrat donor-funded political consulting firm called New Knowledge, LLC, that created thousands of fake Russian bots and used other disinformation tactics to alter the outcome of a local election. DeResta's reputation was not destroyed by this revelation. Instead, she's been elevated to more prominent disinformation expert positions. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security created the EIP 
and outsourced what would otherwise be illegal and unconstitutional censorship to it. In 2021, the EIP was rebranded as the Virality Project, at which point the information being censored shifted from elections to that of COVID-related matters, including factual information about the COVID jabs and their potential dangers. Um, okay, so the, we I can refer back to this as we want to, but there were a couple of things. This was juxtaposed. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Dr. William Mackus, I also subscribe to his Substack, and today he sent a Japanese documentary, which I watched this morning, called Light and Shadow of the Inevaluable New Coronavirus Vaccine about COVID-19 mRNA vaccine injuries in Japan. And it's not even an hour long. Now, I will say... I can send you the link if you want to use this, that it has been transcribed. The subtitles aren't great. You can tell over and over again that they haven't quite got what the speaker is saying, but it's good enough to get the gist of it. And what it is, is another heartbreaking series of stories about Japanese people who have been injured or lost loved ones, about a panel that was convened by the government in which they you know, aired their concerns and said, we want inquiry and this is what has happened. And essentially the outcome of that is we're going to go ahead with the next round of these injections and we think they're fine. So I had just seen this fresh on my mind when I came to this media piece. And again, that thing that Dr. Mercola said, so that the it's the, the censorship we all saw shifting from elections to covid related matters including factual information now what i've observed and you've probably seen it too in the last now going on 4 years but certainly the last 3 years has been a splintering within the you know some people call this the medical truth or the medical freedom movement as opposed to just truth. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, so in the medical freedom movement, if you want to, you know, call it that, what I've seen and I've had concerns and I've voiced these concerns is a splintering and an infighting that's just outrageous. And I've tried to address it with different people that I've spoken with and I actually have in the real history series at least three different programs that I want to do upcoming in, 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 say, the next two and a half months with people that I've been bouncing these ideas back and forth. And they are people that come from a biochemistry background or a pharmacology background. So they are people who have a fair bit of education in this because some of the things that I've wanted to answer for myself is... The splintering that I've seen, the people who would just scream at you if you say that there might have been something real, that, you know, the scam that it was, were there parts of the world in which a real toxin was released? 
you, you can't even ask that question because some people will just scream at you. There was nothing. There was nothing. The, the you know the the disease is the injectable. Well. To me, when you can't have a conversation, when you can't have that back and forth, then there is no such thing as medical freedom. Freedom means freedom to inquire. The other thing is people literally screaming at you that there is no such thing as a virus. So these things I have been for my own interest getting into and looking at, and I have been for the past two years really deeply because this kind of shutting down of inquiry would be the total opposite of true scientific inquiry. And we know that we've had none of that in the mainstream, none of it. But what is alarming is how little of it we're able to have in the, for people who claim to be for truth and freedom and free speech, will just shoot you down. But yeah. it's true and yeah, it's true enough the point that Mercola made there in that summary. In the mainstream, there has been no room for factual information. None. You'll be deplatformed, you'll be shut down, you'll lose your job, you'll lose your license. And I'm just sad to see the same kind of witch hunt frenzy craziness has been so strong in, you know, the the rumble, bit shoot, whatever your alternative platform is, the same thing in the name of freedom. Yeah. And it, it goes back to, you've got two extremes that develop out of it. So you, you have the one where you can't say anything, and then you have another one where you can't actually talk about anything, and then they'll scream freedom at you. Mm -hmm. It's lunacy on both sides. You know, we're, we don't have real information in the mainstream. We don't have science in the mainstream. We have scientism. Science has taken right. over. Uh, or science has been taken over or commandeered rather by politics. That's why you get the guys like Fauci and Burks and whoever else they brought in. Those were the official voices. And that's what was allowed to speak. No one else could talk because no one else was an expert, right? This goes along with the rise of the expert class. But then you had guys like, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the what's the big guy? Um, Malone, Dr. Robert Malone. He rose to prominence really quickly on the quote alternative, mm -hmm. right? And he was he was championed as, well, this guy knows uh, about all this. And and he did make some valid points. But when you start looking at some of the investments that he's got, that's a little bit of a problem. You start to find a big conflict of interest there. But yet that's still promoted. And and it's still I, the whole thing to me on, on both sides just just reeks of a controlled opposition. I know we were talking about that a little bit before in a different on a different subject matter. But this whole thing, it's like they're, they're controlling both ends of the agenda. So you're you're caught in one extreme or another. Well, I have been cautious in that area that you just raised. There are some names that I simply don't say. So we're, I'm happy to talk all day long about the horse breeder. <laughs> the horse breeder. Yeah, he, is, is, he does have a horse farm, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, what, but see, this is, there's a lot of litigation going on. I, to one person that I'd like to talk to, down the line at some point is Dr. Bregan's wife, Ginger Bregan. I've spoken to her on the phone a couple of times, and I actually did a little bit of work for her on a volunteer basis uh, just about a year ago now. Maybe it might have been the early part of this year, but because of that saga there of stepping on a hornet's nest that 
Ginger and Peter Bregan got involved in with the horse breeder. I didn't follow it too, too closely, but what I did have a, my reaction was we need to be able to say what is. And I had approached her about something else. And when she told me what was going on, I said, well, what can I do? And she said, well, you can do this research for me. So I did and gave it to her. And I don't know if that was helpful or not. But what this is, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's David versus Goliath, but it's easy to make a claim and do it in court and then just shut somebody down altogether. It's very easy to do. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And you mentioned just before we got started, uh, Nikki Haley and what that would entail in terms of, you know, madmen showing up at your doorstep and, you know, wanting to cause you bodily harm because of something that you said online. And I think that we're already there, which is why I sometimes speak cryptically about people and situations, because... The easiest thing to do, I, I can't recall the gentleman's name, but do you remember during the election cycle, uh, somebody in the truther slash alternative world said something, it may have been an outright falsehood, but said something about uh, Melania Trump? Um, and, I I don't, but there was a lot that, that came out during that time because it was a big Trump bashing and smear campaign on just everything you could possibly imagine. So it probably just got lost in the uh, in the noise for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the the outcome for this person. And again, I'm, you know, it's like because I don't think we've I'm not sure when we have had free speech, but this just, you know, his claims, whatever they were. The fact that he made them on his little platform, it destroyed his career, destroyed his livelihood. And that was that. So especially for people that aren't backed, who aren't well funded, we are the easy, we're the low hanging fruit, if you will. Yes. And that is that actually that right there should speak volumes to people. I was putting up in the promo that uh, we're not backed by fake corporate dollars. We're not. I'm mm -hmm. not, you're not, none of us are. I think you said it pretty well a few weeks ago. You said, we're about as grassroots as you can get. And if they start picking us off, well, then that's going to do it for just about everybody else because we're actually the ones that are on the front lines for the actual grassroots people. We're not paid by these these corporate whatever. You know, We don't get that kind of money because if you get that kind of money, that kind of money comes with stipulations. You have to say what they mm -hmm. tell you to say. I'm sorry, I will not under any circumstances do that. I will tell people the truth, no matter how uncomfortable or inconvenient that is, and I will stick to it. If that is not allowed, well then, I'm not going to be taking that money. This is Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. I will uh, I will play it since you, uh, since you brought her up. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's First of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say accountability and they know their pastor and their family members going to see it it's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country 
So it's going to help everybody except for people like us. And, and Bruce brought that point up, uh, and I, I concur, and I was telling you about it before we started. I said, that's going to put the crazies at our doorstep. You know, the people that mm -hmm. send us those death threats, you know, that, that's going to put them right at our front door. Uh, and I'm sorry, no, no, absolutely not. No, and, and that isn't, you know, that isn't the point because... Again, it's just in that little bit of summary that Mercola made on this Schellenberger expose and some of the fallout from around that. When it was exposed, what she had done herself on creating the so-called Russian bots, did that harm her in any way? No. She was skyrocketed and she now is the one that people go to to weigh in on what how the internet should be policed basically and she'll say it i listened to a little bit of her own words this morning and she says the same thing there about you know protecting protecting and she claims that the that she got involved in this 10 years ago when one of her uh children was very small and they were facing their vaccines and she started to notice for herself how much vaccine misinformation was out there. The, the anti-vaxxers who were claiming that vaccines cause autism. And she claims that as a mother concerned for the health of her child, that is when she decided that this was an area of strong interest. Well, I, you know, I, I don't find that a believable assertion. I, you know, she's she's got an agenda for her bosses, but that makes a nice backstory, doesn't it? You know, I'm the concerned mother and everybody should vaccinate their children because there's absolutely no medical, there's no research whatsoever that shows that childhood vaccinations are linked to autism. And anyone who claims otherwise is a quack. Now, the, what I'm getting at is we're talking, scientism is strongly, it, it doesn't exist without consensus. So she, what she's saying is that she'll take on for herself the role of the arbiter of consensus. I think they all do that. One of the biggest arbiters of the consensus during COVID was Fauci. He was on yeah. every network every day, mm -hmm. two or three times a day. He was the ultimate authority. Anytime that you were to see an expert on something, it was him. You mean Mr. I am the science? Yes. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> I am science. Yeah, the guy that was, they literally, they put him on the cover of GQ magazine as the sexiest man alive. I kid you not. He was out there next to his pool with his Gucci shoes on and, and his sunglasses. They actually did that. I, uh... I heard that. Yeah. And they, whenever, he, whenever he had to give uh, testimony, like Senator House testimony, and uh, he was not allowed to appear in person or he was busy or, or whatever, he was, Bruce pointed this out. We actually caught it because we were watching the video of the testimony. He was sitting in his home office and behind him on the shelf was a glazed plate and a candle of himself. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't make that up. Bruce is like, do you see what's on the shelf behind him? I'm like, no, what is it? He says, it's a glazed plate of himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were so many uh, little collectibles that came out, you know, the bobblehead. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Fauci donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, talk about making 
talk about scientists as the new priesthood, you know, the Alan Watt thing that he said for years and years and years, scientists, the scientific class, that's the new priesthoods. And boy, we saw it. We lived right through that. We did. And uh, to be honest, I I don't I don't want to go through that again. Uh, I know we're going to. I I do know that we're going to, but it's just the way of things. But I'm really sick of seeing those people. Uh, And I don't need to see Bill Gates up there talking about a vaccine anymore. I've had I've had enough of him. So he, he can go over to China and he can stay there. Um, all right. Uh, the internet censorship. Yeah. Bad idea. Don't want any part of that. Where would you like to go next? Well, I don't know. Do you, I don't, do you, I don't want to get into the, the election stuff. I really don't. I'm, I'm no. already sick of it. I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't want to see that. Honestly, I I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel with things to talk about because there is really nothing. We've been looking for the last two weeks for something and it's election stuff. It is everybody that's in the news as either running or they're talking about uh, whatever the election stuff is going to be. And I'm I'm already sick of it. Like we, We've got a year to go on the election and I don't care. I, I don't care if it's if it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I don't care. Right. Right. And, and well, everybody's that- caught up in this. Everybody's going to these events and these rallies and, and whatever. And they're doing their straw polls and and all that stuff. And it's like we haven't we haven't actually addressed any. And I understand where we I think we all pretty much agree on on elections and, you know, it really don't matter. But nonetheless, even if it's for show, we haven't actually fixed any problems with our election system since the last one. So Mm -hmm. everybody's everybody's involved in this. And it's just I I, it's already worn me out. Like I'm I'm already done with it before it even starts. Well, I I understand what you mean about that. And one of the things that I mentioned uh, just when I, I said to you that I had read this from Mercola this morning, I said, if you read between the lines, if you pay attention to this, which is bringing up some interesting and some good information, it's driving you back into the system of left, right and voting. And all of this, even as an the voices who are weighing in, the journalists who are weighing in are decrying it. It's ultimately about can we have a clean, safe election in the face of this? And it's like, no, you know, freedom of speech is a, is a necessary, I mean, if you're not free to speak, then you're not free. And it has absolutely nothing to do with an election or who's in office. It's the system itself. So again, it's the spin on everything, you know. So you expose something, you say she's, you know, CFR. Well, who isn't in our elected system? Who isn't? They're all in this big club. And, you know, this, one of the things that Mercola does mention, though, there is that the CFR founder, James Warburg, it said in 1950, said to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, we shall have world government, whether or not you like it, by conquest or consent. And in 1975, 25 years later, another CFR insider, this one, Admiral Chester Ward, wrote that the goal of the CFR was submergence of U.S. sovereignty and national independence into an all-powerful one world government. For more than 70 years, they've made no secret about what their goal was. And so again, it's that that rising above and getting the bird's eye view. If people 
are going to do anything. If there is time to slow this down just a nanosecond or two, then it is going to be for people who are in their homes, in their comfy chairs, playing on the internet to get up and say to anybody on the local level, we can't have this. This thing that's going on right now with the World Health Organization and these new rules that they're restructuring that are due, this is, I think, in May of 2024. This We, we need to be on high alert. Everybody needs to be talking about this right now because it doesn't matter whether it's Biden or Trump or RFK Jr. It, it does not matter who is in the White House or who is in your who's your political leader in whatever country you're in. We're talking about an agenda. And if people can't wrap their heads around that and then personally do something, whatever that is, whatever it is, personally get involved in speaking out against the things that really matter, then we don't get to slow it down a nanosecond or two. I've kind of taken to the idea, playing off of what you're, you're talking about there, I've kind of taken to the idea that I, I'm of the opinion that this is going to come down to, because of the agendas, right? Because we're not talking about, everybody thinks you just vote for a person and that fixes the problem. No. You wonder why things keep getting progressively worse. It's because you're not actually addressing the real problem here. And if we go by the agenda, if we look at this agenda, this world government agenda that's coming out of places like the World Economic Forum, what's their biggest championing line? You will own nothing and you will be happy about it, right? <laughs> they plan mm -hmm. to strip everybody of their possessions and their private property. Do you believe, as I do, and I'm, I'm openly saying that I do, do you believe as well that this is going to come down to property rights because I don't see people fighting for anything else? Well, I, I think that that's possible. I mean, you know, who knows what people are willing to get up and, and protest, but that is a possibility that it could be that. You know, I know when you're faced with losing the roof over your head, there, who knows what lengths that you might go to. Yeah, it becomes a different story when it actually comes to your doorstep. Then that mm -hmm. tends to wake people up throughout history. I'm not saying that that's the be all end all, but usually once it actually comes to your door, then you will wake up. And usually by that time, I might add, it's usually too late. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is. It actually is. So, I mean, one of the things, uh, I haven't been here that long, but since the property tax situation came to land on my doorstep, I've done a little bit of researching the history of, you know, how did property taxes get so high here? What's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, this has been part of election campaigning on a state level here for more than a decade. It changes nothing. People come in and they say, I'm going to do something about property taxes. Do they? No, they don't. So these are these kinds of things where we have been trained that if we vote the right person in, they're going to make it better. Th these are hard, hard issues because what do you do? How do you fight something like regressive taxes? that punish people, you know, and by regressive taxes, I mean things that are aimed at the lower middle class and the poor. Because, and that's generally how the tax system works. The people who can least afford it are the people who end up having to pay the highest taxes. 
I look at the uh, the tax system, uh, the property tax system in the U.S. specifically. I don't like what they've done with it. I don't like the fact that we actually have one because that implies that you don't own your property at all. Right. So I, I don't like the fact that we even have it. But the justification that they use for it now is, oh, well, it goes to the schools. Okay. Well, what sense does that make when you have people, and I, I've had members of my own family that are, you know, th- that go through this. They have not had children in school for decades, but yet they still have to pay a school tax, you know, a, a property tax that goes to the schools. How is that fair? That's not fair at all. And the tax rates are insane. You know, they, they've gone up year after year after year. And the value of the property has not increased. You know, uh, California is just a basket case. It's a total, total mess. But there's one good thing that California had that basically every state in the union should have, and that's Proposition 13. What was that? Proposition 13 froze your taxes at the value that you paid for your house when you paid it, period. Oh, so it never went up. you bought it, it never went up. Okay, so it was so it's it's the same thing as what they have with rent control in New York, right? So when you when you rent a place, then it stays that way, like it can't go up, kind of thing, is what you're saying, right? As long as you stay in the same place, as long as you stay in the same place. Now, you know, in, in terms of ownership, to me, that really makes sense because if you let's just make up some random numbers here. If you bought a house in 1975. For fifty thousand dollars, then that's what you that those are the taxes that you pay as long as you own that house. Now, if you sell that house in nineteen ninety five and you go and buy a house for two hundred thousand, then that's what you pay. And if you sell that house in two thousand and you tried to buy it, what you know we say. The late the latest round of peaking was maybe late 2022 or early 2023, and that's the year that you bought a house and it was six hundred thousand. Well, sorry, but you're you know it's an argument for staying yeah. put. <laughs> it is, yeah. But you know, it's you can't uh, also philosophically or morally. I just hate. I hate. The fact that the property taxes that I'm paying go to fund schools where children are being indoctrinated with woke rubbish. Yes. I, I, it, it's just offensive to me, profoundly offensive, that, you know, that I'm having to kill myself and be stressed out to wonder how I can keep the roof over my head. And then that money is going so that your child, your boy can be told that he's not really a boy. And I suppose that we, we could go into a talk about education and the education system with that. And I don't even know where to start with that. I, I don't even know how to, to address that apart from looking at the institutions and the places like the schools that teach the teachers, because that's where you have to go, I think, right? You have to go to the source of that problem. If the mm-hmm. teachers are being taught to teach that, well, then you have to look at the school that's, that's teaching the teachers, right? Right. I'm just uh, logically that's that's the way that it goes. So we're still showing all of this stuff to all of these people in these these educational so-called educational or, or indoctrination institutions, and then it's being passed on to your kids. This concept of this gender politics or or whatever this is. I mean that that's what this is. Mm-hmm. The fact that this is being taught to children, children. When I say children, I mean children. I'm talking two to five children. The fact that this is being taught 
to them in schools. Do people not grasp the fact of what this is going to do to that generation of kids that are up and coming? Well, the trouble is that you have what Besmanov would have called contamination. Yes. The parents yeah. of these children are contaminated. And, uh, you know, uh, that means that the parents, obviously, somebody took that child to the library to sit on the lap of drag queen. The, yes. the child have didn't you, didn't walk to the library itself. Did, have you seen some of these <clears throat> quote parents that take their children to these events? Absolutely, I have. You know, oh goodness, I, and ah, uh, it's it's just it's outrageous. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, have you have you paid any attention to the parents that take their children to the Pride Month parades? I have seen that. Yes, I've seen video after video. I've lost count of how many times I've seen this, where the children are screaming. They are screaming. Mm -hmm. At the things mm -hmm. that the, at the horrors that they are seeing, and mm -hmm. the parents are pulling their hands away from their eyes, saying, "No, look at it. It's good for you." Yes, I mean that. If if this isn't abuse, uh, Neil Foster, who I talk to on Real History once a month, sent me um, a little article from the Daily Mail a couple of days ago. Video exposes trans indoctrination in primary school, and it is a teacher. There in the UK, a woman who is reading a story to the children, and I don't know who videoed her or how this happened, but the teacher tells 10-year-olds about how an unhappy boy Teddy became a happy girl Teddy. And this was a lesson from this inclusion charity. I don't know if I can get down to, yeah, the charity is called No Outsiders. And I had a little bit of a, a back and forth exchange with Neil on this. It's just when he sent me that and I, it I had been doing some research in, into children's sports for something that I was writing. And I, I had gone down the weird, weird tunnel of children's sports where the trans factor into it. And by overwhelming percentage of articles that I found were affirming and supporting this. And I'm talking in the mainstream self magazine, which is aimed at teenage girls, psychology today, um, the mainstream popularizing psychology that we're telling you. And again, this is scientism. It's the consensus. There's absolutely no reason why a trans child should not be competing with a boy or a girl. And, they, you know, no reason because they're just the same. And there are physical differences and skill and talent differences in the trans grouping that there are in little boys or little girls. And it's like this has been mainstreamed. These parents are thoroughly contaminated with this and stars lead the way. I have noticed that you've got yeah. some of these, these stars uh, and I'll just mention two that I know for sure. You've got, uh, these are big stars. Um, uh, what's her name? It's a woman, uh, Charlize Theron. She's one of them where she's mm -hmm. got her sons out there dressed up in women's clothing. And right. then you have the same thing out of, uh, do you know who Liev Schreiber is? Yes has a son that's now his daughter. So th yeah. these are, as you say, the stars War are Warren life. Beatty. Uh, Warren Beatty, yeah. Beatty, Jamie Lee Curtis. It goes on and on. The latest one I saw actually just popped up 
on a, a news feed yesterday, which is uh, Wayans, Damon Wayans, I think. Damon he was Wayans, a comedian. Yeah. Damon, we're, yeah. Yeah, back in the 90s. We're, we're actually, okay, so if you're referencing Bez, if you're referencing Bezmanoff, and we, he talked about how you've got the, uh, the generations that are contaminated. We're not talking about, as he was talking about, uh, he, was, he was talking about uh, people that are contaminated with Marxism-Leninism. This is the, the new version of it, as far as I'm concerned, because that's where yes. it's coming from. Yes, yeah. Uh, but this, this is not just one or two generations. This is multiple generations, from older generations, you know, baby boomer generations, down to infants. This, yes, this you're is, right. Like, yeah. This is taking everything. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And- you know that the the again we come d- down to free speech because what you're looking at would be what Al- Alan was always pointing out how bloodless revolutions are used so the sexual revolution you know you take it back to the the 60s at the uh, the 60s is and it goes back further than that but the 60s is a very clear easy to wrap your head around the, you know, the British invasion, the the popular music at that time, the miniskirt. It's very clear to see, oh yeah, that was a revolution of some kind. But where free speech factors in, we're, we're not free to speak about this because, you know, Bezmanov was talking about it in the 80s to small local audiences. But if you are to say what you're looking at right now is cultural Marxism. Well, what, what's going to, what is going to happen, Johnny? What am I, if, if somebody catches wind of me saying this is cultural Marxism, then what am I? I'm an anti-Semite. Yes. You're immediately labeled. Yeah. Immediately. And you're canceled. Yeah. And when, when actually what I'm talking about is a phenomenon that is huge, that is decades in the making, but that what's the easiest way to shut me down or shut you down or shut anyone down? Well, well you know, no, nobody wants to be accused of that. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a logical fallacy for starters. But it's an ad hominem is, attack. It's an ad it's hominem, an ad hominem Yeah. That, that's what it is. It, they've literally we, they've literally resorted to name calling. That's what mm-hmm. we've been reduced to. Mm-hmm. Is we're, right. we're being called a, a name by a bully on a, on a school playground. Mm-hmm. See, see, what is hateful? What is hate speech? Hate it's, is when you say you can't talk about that. You can't. You can't address this. This is verboten. <laughs> that's hateful. Hate speech has been defined as, uh, just as I was talking about before we started, hate speech has been defined as whatever they say it is, just like success has been defined as whatever they say it is. We were, mm-hmm. we were talking about failure, success and failure and what that actually means in you know before we started. And it's the same thing with hate speech. Everything's been redefined to fit the agenda and to fit the, the political agenda of, of all of it. Right. So you cannot step outside of that. Everything has been readjusted. Everything has been redefined. Everything has been has been resurfaced. So you can't make sense of it. You know, I I truly believe that we're dealing with a kind of, for lack of a better word that I can't think of right now, we're dealing with a kind of stupidity here that is beyond anything I could have possibly imagined. And I, I don't know if this was something that you had anticipated on seeing, but this is like, this is loony land. I, I feel like we wake up in a new clown world every other month. Well, I, I, I mean, I would like to hear more about why you chose the word stupidity. Well, 
we're ignoring universal truths. That's why I say stupidity, because these are things that we know to be true. For example, man, woman, that's a universal truth. We can't even okay. define what that is now. Right. So this, this is right. why I say stupidity. We're, we're okay. dealing with the kind of stupidity here, just as an example. Yeah. No, I, I think that's true. People who latch on to this, the parents who are taking these children to these parades or endorsing this or who aren't, you know, who are supporting what's being taught in the schools, you could be stronger than that. But stupidity is certainly a good place to start. The, the, the people who are forcing this on us culturally, the, the closest, the most accurate thing that I can think of is evil. And, and evil has um, keen intelligence. That would have been my next term. Yes, evil. <laughs> that would have been the next thing I wanted. <laughs> so yeah, it's stupidly evil. Yeah, I'll, I'll go that way. With <laughs> well, I, you know, all I was going to say is that, you know, stupid is it, it's a the entry. It, it's a good excuse for just the beginning. But when you point out to someone the history of how this came to be and why they might be thinking this or why they might be embracing that. And you're greeted with anger and screams or you're accused of being a hater. Then what you're talking about can no longer be excused as stupidity because what you are seeing is complicity with evil. It's a very, very astute point you made there. I do agree. Yeah, absolutely. I do have a clip here of Yuri Bezmanov. And okay. this is to, it, we keep this, it's a very short clip, but we, we keep this on tap because of how relevant <laughs> that it is to all okay. of the people that are going along with this, you know, the useful idiots that he talked about, you know, the, uh, right. the, the contaminated ones, the academics and the civil rights people and all the rest of, you know, quote, civil rights people, all of those people, all of the media, the politicians and everybody else that's, that's bringing this in this, and, and this ties everything, you know, woke agenda and, and climate change and all the rest of this nonsense, right? This is all, all stemming from the same thing. The people that are pushing this, you do not at any point in time in history, none that I've ever read, you do not make it. And this will be straight from the horse's mouth. But to eliminate the others, to execute the others, don't they serve some purpose? Wouldn't they be the no, ones they, they rely they on? They serve purpose only at the stage of destabilization of a nation. For example, your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are, non, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. There you go. Every yeah. time. Yeah. No, that's a, I, that is a great quote of his, and that is true. That's what they do. The useful idiots are the first to be eliminated. And I don't know, it, I'm sure that you have seen other clips where he spells it out at that time. See, this is in the 1980s, so he doesn't have a problem saying homosexuals will be eliminated. Yes, yeah. Feminists will be eliminated. He calls it out at that point. You know, yeah. he, he, he names it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
there was actually a point uh, to that. Uh, there was actually a point where they were. Uh, I, I want to say it was Stalin. I, I was I was reading about it. Uh, Stalin. They actually they wanted to. They had a problem, right? Because they had the they had this the the feminist thing that they were they were funding, and then they had a problem in the Soviet Union themselves. Stalin wanted to create something called. I want I want to say it was just simply called the Soviet Family. Uh, and this this is where they had another problem with. Um, uh, with all the people they lost in the Second World War, and then they had abortion, but they then made abortion illegal for a time because they mm -hmm. needed to rebuild the families. And they realized that if they didn't do that, then they wouldn't be able to make any soldiers for the future. So mm -hmm. they needed to be able to do that. But yes, all of the people that are involved in all of those agendas, you're absolutely right. You all go. You, you will not make it. All those people that you see on TV now, gone. All those people yeah. that you see in these universities, gone. All the people that you see that are out there in the streets right now, gone. That will be stamped down upon and that will be stamped down upon violently and that will be mm -hmm. shut down. Mm -hmm. See, th this is a hard thing. There, There's so much, uh, you know, stupidity. Like I say, it's a good entry word, but there's so much insanity. You called it insane and you're right. It's it is insane. These people who are being used, these children who are out protesting for, uh, you know, climate change restrictions, this is insanity. And the there is no room in the next phase of the new world order. Alan was fond of saying, you know, people would try to make him out to be a conspiracy theorist or, you know, oh, hey, what about that new world order? And you know, he actually had an encounter with uh, some local um, federales, as we call them down here, up there. Uh -huh. And, they, you know, they were just trying to get under his skin. They knew who he was. And, and they said, what about those? What about that new world order? And Alan said to them, well, what new world order are you referring to? There's a lot of them. Because there's always <laughs> a new one coming in. There's always, you know, that's the way the system works. It's a it's a progression. Oh, you know down through time. But when they, as we go in to the greatly reduced population and the purpose made, purpose made people for that reduced population, and by that I mean dumbed down, compliant, and very likely through, I, I shouldn't even say very likely, it will be through genetic manipulation that they'll have their new worker class None of these children who are doing climate strikes will be there. None of these parents who are taking their children to Drag Queen Story Hour will be in this brave new world in this future because they truly are Besmanov's useful idiots. And you can go on and on and on. They will not exist. I think the trouble is, you know, that 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 looking at the man or the woman in the mirror and really finding your own individuality and through that hopefully purpose is that we all of us want to ensure that we are not a useful idiot. You know, useful idiots vote. Yes, they do. And as we've said from the start, and as you've mentioned before, you are your own savior. If you want to know how you can make a difference in this world, look in the mirror. It's that simple. Yeah. We are coming up on the last few minutes here. Would you like to tell us about what you've got going on on Cutting Through the Matrix and what you're doing with your latest podcast? Well, the latest podcast, I, I'll, I'll just say this. The next podcast, I want it to be kind of a surprise. Okay. <laughs> uh, the last one that I put up, 
I I really enjoyed that a lot. And it was with someone named Adam, who's from New Zealand, but he lives in Germany. I've spoken with him once before in real history. And he had a, a good topic that he wanted to discuss capture. And he was concerned about the idea that in, that we're we're hearing from people in the so-called alternative who refer to what has happened in the last few years, whether it's, um, you know, elections or COVID restrictions or anything that like that as institutional capture. And that was alarming to him because he he felt that the point needed to be made that that these institutions had not been there to serve us. They weren't just recently captured. So that was good. And the excerpt series uh, last week, I put up one that this was a listener made video. And it was Alan talking a little bit about Aldous Huxley's interview with Mike Wallace, the famous 1958 interview. And then this next the 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 late the very very latest excerpt is just all Aldous Huxley and he's such a key player in all of this so there's always something going on at cutting through the matrix there is I uh, I look forward to your next podcast I'm uh, it, I'll have to go back and listen to the capture one I didn't catch that one I'm gonna have to go listen to that because I've actually been reading about something that the Chinese have prided themselves in uh, and it's called elite capture where they go through and they they pick off people of certain organizations namely one of those would be like bill gates ah. so i'm i'm curious i'll have to go back and i'll have to listen to that well it That's has been a great conversation uh, i hope you have a very happy thanksgiving and i hope that everything works out for you and i will see you back in two weeks yes yes thank you thank you very much for being here so that will do it for us for today that is melissa from cuttingthroughthematrix.com i encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information where they maintain the life collected works of the late great alan watt and her podcast is real history with melissa and that is available everywhere you get your podcasts melissa thank you for being here today thank you to all of the listeners god bless everyone and have a great evening